The Deeper Dig this week is brought to you by Efficiency Vermont, with strategies to keep Vermont homes warmer in the winter. EfficiencyVermont.com slash weatherize. From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, parents of school-aged kids across the state have had a trying fall semester, as COVID-19 cases in schools have led to entire classrooms shutting down for days or weeks at a time. But in one of the state's hardest-hit districts, the COVID surge has had a disproportionate impact on families that are already living on the margins, and it has school officials worried about the long-term impact on their community. I'm looking for it. Here we go. Positive case. Within days of reopening this fall, Schools in Barrie started sending out emails to notify parents about new COVID cases. Uh, so this was sent October 7th. Uh, I'm writing to inform you that we were notified earlier that Barrie City Elementary and Middle School had another individual test positive for COVID-19. School will continue to be open as usual October 11th. Tomorrow is an And then the emails just kept coming. According to Health Department data, Barry's two middle and elementary schools have had more total COVID cases than any other community in the state. I've been receiving literally daily, almost daily messages saying that there's a new case, there was a new case at the school. It's like at least two or three times a week I'm receiving an email. This is Melissa Tobin Davis. She has two kids in Barry schools, and she runs a Facebook group for parents in the district. Melissa said that after last year, when her kids were home a lot, she was nervous when that first announcement landed. My first automatic thought was, oh, here we go again. You know, how long before the kids are going to be sent home? How, how long before? Because no offense, whenever they were out of school, that was a devastation all on its own. I mean, both my kids ended up depressed. You know, they were, I mean, ultimately they were inside. They weren't able to hang out with other kids. I mean, both my kids ended up with, you know, mental health issues, depression, being out of school. This year, her seventh grade son has mostly been able to avoid getting sent home. But Melissa's also been undergoing breast cancer treatments, which require everyone in her household to quarantine ahead of certain appointments. So she has to keep her son home without any way for him to participate in class. And I said, wait a minute. So what you're telling me is that while my son is out of school, he is not going to have any education whatsoever. That's not right. And they said, well, we weren't approved to do it. And I said, I understand that, but my son needs an education. This isn't his fault. I mean, it's not my fault. It's not his fault. Cancer happens. You know, he needs that education. School officials in Barrie said that because Vermont is no longer in a state of emergency, they're under pressure to keep schools open. If they send home more than half the student body on a given day, it won't count as a school day, and they'll have to make it up at the end of the year. That means hybrid learning models like we saw last year aren't on the table. But even if they were, many parents still wouldn't be positioned to use them. I truly feel for the parents that work, especially the single parents, you know, the single parents that don't have family around you know, or don't have that supportive network. I really feel for them because they can't, they have no choice. 
Melissa put me in touch with another mom she knows, Christine Baker. Is this still an okay time? Um, yes. Okay. Actually, it's kind of funny that you're calling me today because my kid is home today. Oh. <laughs> so I had to bring her to work with me. Christine works at the Salvation Army on Barry's Main Street. At around 6 a.m. that morning, she had gotten an email from Barry City Elementary and Middle School. Something about my daughter being in quarantine, um, that she has an overdue book, so when she's feeling better, she needs to bring it in. And I was like, quarantine what? So it made me wonder if she was, you know, had been in contact with somebody who had it, and I just wasn't notified. So what happens when you get that email? Like, what, what's the chain of events? Well, I didn't have a choice this morning. I had to call my district manager to see if I could bring her to work with me, which isn't always allowed. But I don't, I don't have, like, I don't have daycare. I don't have a babysitter. I don't, I don't have anybody. It's just me. So, I mean, in those situations, God forbid they ever do come down with it, then I, ha- then I lose time at work, right. which I really can't afford to do. This whole time, by the way, Christine was running errands with her daughter on her way into work. Um, no, thank you. You hold those. So it, it's it's a little difficult. Separate together? Um, separate. She said the way this day was playing out was pretty standard. Parents didn't tend to get notified until the last minute that their kids were being sent home. And then you're supposed to try to find a way to pick them up. Then, you know, it comes with, okay, now what do I do? I don't have any, I don't have a backup. I don't have anybody to watch my kids so that now I'm struggling because now I have to find someone to cover me at work or start trying low for somebody to watch my kid. And who wants to watch a kid who's sick? Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it sounds like a really, it sounds like a tough spot to be in just to like, you know, have that uncertainty going forward. I, I wonder just like, how do you deal with it? Um, it's a lot of stress. Um, and I have to, I have to unfortunately take it day by day because I, I never know. So like it's either it's either I miss work or I, you know, bring her to work, which also is not the best solution. Having her at work with me because then I can't get my job done, and I can't leave her home by herself. <laughs> right. What does that actually look like to have her at work with you? What does she do all day? Well, like today, I have her quarantined up in in our office for today until I leave at one. Um, other than that, you know, I make her sit on something in the store, mask all, all day that I'm here. Um, that's the only option I have. Yeah. And my boss, my boss isn't really happy that I keep bringing her to work, but you know, I don't get the heads up till the day of, and then like, I'm the one that opens the store. So I don't have, I don't have time to look for somebody to come in and open the store. Right. If I'm not, if I'm not being told or I'm not receiving anything till like eight o'clock in the morning. So I just, it's not ideal. Christine said her daughter wasn't getting remote learning tools either. So those hours she's spending sitting in the Salvation Army store just end up being lost time. I think it's coming down to they don't know what to do when they get a case and they have to, you know, unfortunately have some kids not come to school. I don't think they have a backup plan if that happens, and they should. They should have a much better plan. Like, okay, if if you're being sent home, this is what you're going to have to do type of thing. But they don't have that in place as far as I know. We'll be right back. Just a quick message from our underwriters. The Deeper Dig this week is brought to you by Efficiency Vermont, helping Vermonters reduce energy costs, improve air quality, and lower their carbon footprint. 
Learn more at efficiencyvermont.com. This is Pierre. How's it going, Pierre? Pierre? My name's Mike. School administrators in Barrie aren't happy about this either. The week before Thanksgiving, I sat down with Pierre Laflamme, the principal for the middle school grades at Barrie City. And the first thing he did was pull up this document on his computer. You're too far away to see any kind of identifying information. I just need to see mm. the scale. Those are the line lists we've prepared since the beginning of the year. That's where we keep track of those. What does that mean, and line list? That's exactly what I wanted. Okay, each one of those entries is a time where I or my partner Hayden Kuhn here have had to do a contact tracing list for a student that has tested positive or an, um, an adult that has tested positive. So what that looks like in terms of direct impact, every one of those entries is an entire class, an entire core, 20-ish kids who are out for a week or more. Yes, there are some variations where based on timing they're only out for a day, but some have been out for two weeks. So you ask me what the impact is, there's almost 40 entries on that list, and here we are on, what, November 17th? We're not even through the entirety of the second quarter, and we've already had a rotation at times of 160 kids missing from our campus. There are times, multiple times, where we've prepared a list, and we see a child's only been back for three days from the last list. So we have students uh, of 50 days of school have been out on a contact trace list 20, 30 days. That would be a major disruption for any school. But the Barry School District is serving a high rate of families that are already struggling economically. The school participates in a range of government assistance programs, like federal Title I funding and the state's community eligibility provision, both of which are available to schools where at least 40% of families are low income or qualify for free school meals. Our community is already so stretched thin. Increased home insecurity, food insecurity, job insecurity. We've only seen it rise. Asking them to take one on the chin to, okay, your kid's now going to be home for a week and a half. Well, I'm without resources. What do you do? You know, I, I call a mom, a single mom living in a hotel who's homeless and having to say, you know, your kid can't come to school. And what she's saying back to me is, well, I understand that, but, um, you know, I'm a single mom living in a hotel. We're trying to get, you know, out of here and get her own place. And now I'm going to lose my job if I can't be at work, but I got to be home. My kid's, you know, a kindergartner. I can't leave him home alone. So it's really putting people in uh, really hard places. This is Hayden Kuhn, the principal for Barry City's elementary school grades. Hayden said just sending a student home for a COVID exposure can be much more difficult for some families to absorb. When they're not in school, they're not in a good spot. And when I say not a good spot, I mean, you know, staying with with many relatives in a hotel room or. Um, shared housing or, or a car, you know, that's not, not ideal uh, in those conditions. And then, so that gap between, um, you know, that, that, that ever-growing gap seems to just heighten like crazy following the pandemic. You know, we had some kids that were home on the computer every day when they're doing remote learning, and we have other kids that didn't access at all. And so that gap is just um, widened that much further, and that makes it that much more challenging for teachers, staff, administrators, everybody to support our kiddos. Yeah, for it, sure. Is that what's happening still to this day when it comes to these, you know, classroom closures and things like that? 
Yeah, I mean, those who have, have the right supports in place, they're able to access what they need to access. But trying to send a kindergartner home to do remote learning and they don't have somebody there to support them, you know, that's not, that's not setting them up for success. Um, and that's been unfortunately the case for a, a very large portion of our community. Pierre said he didn't have all the answers about how to solve this. All he can do is take every incremental step to make things better. I don't have a good answer for how are we going to catch up all of these students that have, for a year and a half, had completely disrupted and unfinished learning. Uh, That is a massive lift nationwide. I don't have a clean answer other than to stay dedicated to the task we're charged with, uh, to continue to see the value of it. Because right now, that is the biggest question we face on a daily basis. The, the work we do with students is convincing them there's value in this. There's value to being here. There's value to learning. When at the same time, our actions seem to be in the opposite direction, right? Send a kid home for this health thing. I don't know how to come to a more succinct point than that on this issue because no, it feels so overwhelming at times. It's kind of the old... I, I love elephants, so don't take this wrong. The idiom of how do you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. It's those one, that one bite at a time, that one little piece that helps us move further down the line to getting a, some kind of protection, some kind of response, understanding, clinical knowledge about how to treat, the things that will move us away from this constant state of uncertainty, fear, and ambiguity we feel so trapped in. Yeah. And I mean that at last comment as a human being, not as a principal of a school. Sure. No. And I mean, what, what you said just now is something I've never, I've, no one has, has, has framed it that way to me before that, you know, that part of your job is just to try to convince students that learning is important and that sending them home over and over again is fighting against that message. Yeah. Do you worry that like kids are, are going to lose their deal for learning? I do. I think I see evidence of that on a near daily basis. Um, I'll give you two different viewpoints. If you consider a first grader, maybe they went to preschool, maybe they didn't. They've never had a normal year. So they don't have experience with the game of school, the learn habits of when to listen to the teacher, when to produce homework, how to think critically, when you can challenge something. So they're starting at square one, despite having some interaction with a school for the last year and a half, two years, they haven't had a normal year yet. Oldest student here is in eighth grade. So you think about, they were just coming into middle school, middle school model, right at the time when their brain's going from concrete to abstract. And they had completely disrupted learning for two years, roughly. Well, you know, why? what's the point? Why am I here? It feels like we're taking so many steps back. You know, it's like we're constantly playing catch up. Well, I already learned this, or I didn't learn this, so now it's an even bigger challenge. It's just, uh, we're seeing far more from students and some adults. The challenge feels too great. I'm gonna step away from it. And so how that translates to an eighth grader, they're not thinking about, wow, in, in ninth grade I have some choice in class. I can think about a tech program. I can think about this language, that sport. They're not thinking about what high school offers. They're just stuck in the, when is this gonna be over? When is this gonna matter? I'd rather just be home and not have to deal with fill in the blank. 
And then what's the outcome of that? What's the I think I can answer that question intelligently in about five, six years. <laughs>One of those incremental steps that Pierre was talking about is vaccines. Kids ages 5 to 11 are finally eligible for the Pfizer vaccine. The day I visited Barry City was the second day of a state-run clinic where about 315 students were getting their first shots. Are you here for the clinic? Yes. Okay, I'm going to get you to sign in here. Okay. I'll save on time. Inside the school's gymnasium, Children and their parents filed into these curtained-off carrels where health department staffers and volunteers from the Vermont Medical Reserve Corps administered shots. Each station had its own toys, stickers, and decorative bandages, and kids under observation after receiving their shots sat in chairs watching Monsters, Inc. They're from our school and the surrounding region, Washington County, and then even Chittenden County, Rutland County. So we got kids from everywhere. It's awesome. Um, And they're doing... About 12 kids at a time and rotating them through, and it's pretty organized. The state's set it up, done a great job. So um, really good day and really good, you know, feeling like things are turning to the right direction. That's not to say it was easy. The school dedicated about a dozen staffers to the event, and they're already short-staffed. Hayden pointed out that many school employees are parents themselves, and when their kids get sent home, so do they. So we often end up with a lot of staff needing to be home with their own children, which leads to long sublists and not enough substitutes. And we're, you know, able to keep open um, at this point, but we're, we, need, we need some more supports and we're, we're doing our best to get them in place. And, but, you know, fortunately our staff has, has put in 125% to kind of uh, do the best to keep, it, to keep it going for these guys, for sure. Yeah. That's made teaching more difficult. It's also made it harder for the school to stand up programs, like the state's test-to-stay program, that are designed to help dampen the effects of a COVID surge. The district is now starting to coordinate volunteers from the community to help kick off a testing program in January. But everyone acknowledges that there will likely be more cases on the way, more students sent home, and more learning lost. So where's the hope? Yeah. I'm very lucky in that I work in this building. People are here not for just the paycheck, right? And you hear this in every institution, right? But the reality is the people here, they're a tribe. They care about each other. There's generational knowledge in the people that have been here for many, many years. And they keep showing up on a daily basis, even when they're feeling overwhelmed, even when they know, you know, I could really just use a mental health day today. They keep showing up. They keep asking the questions that have become, in in my mind, even more overtly human-centered. Give you a direct example. Uh, Every other week I meet with team leaders. We talk about all kinds of systemic issues and problem-solving, brainstorming. The point came up again today of, can we mix our students at lunch? So in other words, I'm an eighth grader. I can sit with you, my friend, in a different eighth grade class. They also brought up, can we get back to working with the younger students, taking a walk with them, reading a book to a kindergarten class, showing up and helping the gym class. The things that give me hope are that's what people are fixated on, not, hey, when are we gonna get to linear algebra? When are we going to introduce probability and statistics, yes, 
curricular learning is important, but people's first line of questions is, how do we come back to being human-centered? Hmm. How do we just be a community again? And so I have hope that we will be able to open our doors on some level to the community again and remind them that we're here to serve them. We have their most precious thing on the face of the earth. We have their children here. It should be a two-way street, and we've kind of lost a sense of that. My hope is that we get back to that. The people that continue to show up here every day are the ones who give me that hope. You can read more about the COVID surge in Barry schools at vtdigger.org and find all of our COVID-19 coverage at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. See you then.